a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub, coming to you from the Embassy of Pakistan in Beijing. Here, we'll be talking to our guests today, the Minister of Planning, Development and Special Initiatives of Pakistan. Minister Akbal, welcome back to China. Thank You've you. been here dozens of times. Welcome back. Uh, how do you like your trip so far? Well, China is like our second home, just as Pakistan is for Chinese their second home. Awesome. I had the pleasure of visiting your country in 2011. Um, I visited Guada port back then. It was in its nascency, in its, in, its inception stages. 2011 like looks like a previous century. You should come now. <laughs> <laughs> That's long ago. What is it like now? Well, it has changed very much. Uh, Gawadar has now developed in uh, infrastructure and its facilities is becoming now a, a modern port city. And we hope that in years to come, it will really become a very smart uh, port city and center of trade and commerce in the region. Uh, China is helping us develop Gawadar as a port city. Uh, we have now a free zone in which Chinese companies are investing. And we hope that there will be a lot of uh, activity there from that industrial zone. I heard that the eventual goal would be to make Gwadar a hub of commerce, trade and commercial activities, not just between China and Pakistan, but throughout the region and even the world. Well, Gwadar has a very strategic location. If you look at Pakistan, uh, west of Pakistan, there is Central Asia. All the Central Asian republics are landlocked. And they look towards Gawadar as their gateway to the rest of the world. And with China-Pakistan Economic Corridor also terminating or starting at Gawadar, uh, Gawadar becomes a natural extension uh, for CPAC, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, extension to Middle East, to Africa, to Europe. And in future, uh, through Gawadar, the goods can be shipped to China in almost uh, less than one-tenth the time and distance that takes goods to go from the South China Sea uh, by sea route. So that way, I think Gawadar is the port of the future. Minister, we've heard so much about CPAC and about the road initiative. Some reports highlight its achievements, singing praises. Uh, some reports highlight the underperforming or delayed projects. Can you give us a comprehensive assessment of where is CPAC now? Uh, CPAC started on 5th of July 2013 when Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif visited Beijing and an MOU was signed. And I had the honor and distinction of signing the MOU on Pakistan's behalf. It was a piece of paper, but within a very short span of time, both sides worked out a portfolio of $46 billion of projects to be carried out under CPAC. And of this, uh, more than $29 billion worth of projects were realized after President Xi visited Pakistan in 2015 April within a short period of three years. So this is unprecedented in history of Pakistan that we are able to materialize $29 billion worth of foreign projects in different sectors. Uh, CPAC envisaged to first and foremost help Pakistan overcome its energy crisis. In 2013, we were facing a terrible energy crisis with 16 to 18 hours of power shortages. I experienced that when I was yeah, there. So uh, CPAC helped us put up more than 5,500 megawatts of energy. Similarly, through CPAC, we developed modern transport infrastructure, motorways, highways. That has helped Pakistan develop a modern logistic base for trade and commerce and 
also to improve its competitiveness by making the movement of goods and services faster. Third, CPEC also helped us develop in a fiber optic cable from China that actually now forms an information highway between Pakistan and China and provides a backbone to our digital infrastructure. Third is industrial cooperation in which uh, now under CPAC we are envisaging development of several special economic zones and many Chinese companies are relocating to Pakistan because we have low cost of production. Uh, the cost of human resources much less than now what is in China or many other countries and besides Pakistan has fairly good trained human resource and a modern infrastructure to support business operations. So CPAC in last 10 years has really given Pakistan great opportunity in areas of energy, infrastructure, telecommunication, uh, industrial cooperation. And what I would say is that it has also helped Pakistan unlock some of its hidden treasures. For example, in Thar, Pakistan had a coal deposit uh, which is whose energy value is uh, almost equivalent to Iran and Saudi Arabia's oil. But we could not extract any value from this deposit because neither we had financing to do the mining nor we had the technology to produce energy. So through CPAC we got very environment friendly technology. We were able to do mining and put up power plants. Now this is the cheapest source of power for Pakistan for next 400 years. So it is such a big resource which was hidden, which was not utilized at all because there was no capital or technology to make it productive asset for the country. But CPAC made it happen for Pakistan. So in many ways, CPAC has been very transformational. It has created many jobs. It has had impact on people's lives. So we really appreciate leadership of China for extending a Belt and Road Initiative to Pakistan in shape of China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. For sure, um, a full of promises, uh, Minister, but as you understand, uh, there are challenges as well. According to CPAC's authorities, a website tracking the progress of all the projects that you have described, um, there are different stages of progress going on. For example, in transport, six out of the 24 projects have been completed. Of course, many others are still being constructed. In energy sector, 12 out of 21 are done. In Gwadar port, four out of 14. Of course, given the scope of this project, it's only natural that some projects are still being reviewed, uh, under construction. Uh, it may take a decade to build a road. Uh, we all understand that. Um, how satisfied are you about the progress so far? Well, uh, under CPAC, during 2013 to 2018, during our previous tenure of government, we saw unprecedented uh, progress. There was very fast uh, implementation of the projects. But in 2018, unfortunately, there was a political change in Pakistan in government. The new government did not own CPAC uh, as strongly and were very inexperienced. So they could not keep that momentum on CPAC. So we lost some time. But now since April when there is a new government in Pakistan, the same uh, party is back, which was there 2013-18 in power. Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif, who was previously Chief Minister of Punjab and very active supporter of CPAC, he is now personally supervising the progress and implementation of CPAC projects. I am also back in my role to uh, supervise CPEC projects. We are now working day and night 
to revive the same momentum and speed behind CPAC. Now CPAC we must understand is not a short term or a medium term project, it's a long term project. It has three phases. The first phase was 2014 to 2020 that largely focused on infrastructure bottlenecks in Pakistan. The second phase 2020 to 2025 uh, focuses on industrial cooperation, establishing linkages between private sector of two countries, business to business linkages, helping uh, industries to relocate to Pakistan and take advantage of this corridor. And third phase 25 to 2030 looks at the broader regional linkages uh, expanding the scope of CPAC to Central Asia, to South Asia and linking China and other regions of the world. So that way it is much broader regional framework uh, in its scope instead of just a bilateral program. And that is what President Xi also referred to when he addressed Parliament of Pakistan during his visit in 2015 that CPAC will benefit not just Pakistan but the entire South Asia. Minister, you talk about the importance of uh, reviving or rather accelerating the pace of uh, CPAC. Um, some people are talking about CPAC 2.0. Uh, how would you summarize the outcome of your trip this time around? You've been in China for several days and where this is going to take CPAC. I think it's great to be back uh, in uh, Beijing. Uh, particularly my last visit was in April 2018 towards the end of our previous government, but then later there was pandemic and there were restrictions and now China is opening up, which is good news, uh, not only for China, but also rest of the world. We can reconnect, we can revive our cooperation. So I see much greater momentum. In this visit, I have had meetings with our, some of our old friends and also uh, Chinese uh, authorities who are also super excited to see CPAC move to the next level. So we are hoping that in, as now China also opens up, as the world is getting to get normal again, uh, we will see a lot of progress and improvement in uh, CPAC cooperation and particularly our focus is now to attract more private sector investment into Pakistan. Pakistan is a great uh, market for countries, uh, for other companies. Uh, we have 60 to 80 million population, which is middle class, uh, with a total population of 220 million. And we are very strategically located. So uh, therefore, uh, I think no big business can ignore Pakistan. So now many Chinese companies are again looking at Pakistan and trying to see that how we can uh, establish uh, their presence. Uh, mining sector is one of the areas that we are particularly promoting. Pakistan is very rich in mines and we need investment to uh, develop this sector and to have value addition. Uh, we are also encouraging joint ventures to promote exports to third countries because Pakistan uh, has a priority to promote its export sector for future. So we are in also interested and we are also seeking um, cooperation from many Chinese companies to set up industries in Pakistan where we can do joint production to export to third countries. So I see very interesting prospects and I am very hopeful that in coming months uh, we will see a lot of activity uh, under CPAC. As someone who signed the MOU initiating the Belt and Road Initiative, CPAC in particular 10 years ago between our two countries and then coming back to the role of the Minister of uh, Planning, Development and Special Initiatives, 
how would you assure the Chinese companies and entrepreneurs who might be having concerns about the security situation in Pakistan? Because here in China or elsewhere, occasionally they hear reports of uh, you know, citizens um, you know, having security issues there, um, extremist attacks there. How would you assure them that Pakistan is a safe destination to first, invest in? First and foremost, I will say that the government of Pakistan is investing many times more resources for the security of Chinese workers in Pakistan than it is investing for its own people. So we put security of Chinese workers even above security of our own people because they are our guests and it is our duty to uh, protect our guests. Secondly, during 2013-18, there were 60 to 80,000 Chinese workers working in Pakistan uh, on different uh, CPAC projects. Not a single incident took place. Uh, we have established a special dedicated security force of more than 10,000 personnel who is exclusively, which is exclusively devoted towards security of Chinese projects and Chinese workers working in Pakistan. China is one place where every Pakistani feels at home and Pakistan is one place where every Chinese feels at home because people of Pakistan uh, think Chinese as their, as their true brothers and the kind of warmth China and Chinese people will feel in Pakistan, I don't think that will be available in any other country. That is true. Talking about opposition to CPAC, uh, many media around the world have cast it as uh, portrayed it as a dead trap and as China's geopolitical and geoeconomic uh, ambition to control the world. Um, how do you see it? I think first of all, I would say that Belt and Road Initiative is a great vision of China and President Xi and it comes from the values of East. In East, we cherish the value of sharing. I think this is a remarkable initiative where China, which has achieved remarkable success in last few decades, which has uplifted 800 million people out of poverty and today has given its people a very respectable quality of life, is today heading or leading the march to be a developed country. China chose to share its success with other countries. China was not obligated to share its success because uh, China had not uh, done war with other countries where if there was a Marshall Plan, it came out of the destruction of World War II. So China did not uh, wage any war against anyone. Uh, China did not owe anything to anyone that it must share its success with other countries. But as I said, it comes from the values that we have in East uh, or the Chinese leadership, uh, President Xi, uh, I think out of his great uh, vision, uh, he had this idea that let this be a win-win for other countries also. If China is succeeding, we must share our success with, with other countries and we must share uh, it as a community of shared prosperity and, uh, you know, uh, humanity. So that way, I think this is a great initiative. It has helped many countries uh, get very critical investment which it needed to 
plug the gaps in its socio-economic infrastructure, just as I mentioned in Pakistan. Now, there is this, you know, uh, perception which was built, it is a debt trap. I don't see it is a debt trap. I think it is a fact trap uh, to distort uh, the true spirit of uh, BRI and the true dividends of BRI that people have uh, gotten. There is now even research by some uh, John Hopkins scholar. My alma mater. Which uh, says that... Uh, uh, the uh, studies on Sri Lanka do not substantiate that the economic crisis in Sri Lanka had to do anything with Chinese port project or, you know, Chinese uh, loan or anything. So these are stories which are made to create negative perceptions uh, in a global geopolitics of competition. But I would say that wherever BRI has gone, the local people there can testify that it has had very positive impact. It has provided them much needed infrastructure, uh, which has been the backbone of their economic development. One last question on CPAC. Reports say that there are consideration thinking that the new projects coming forward, going forward rather, under CPAC uh, will be done using the Chinese currency. Um, is it true? Well, we are encouraging to now do uh, business with Chinese uh, companies on Chinese currency because the dollar uh, is now short. We have our foreign currency problems in dollars. So we feel that if there are uh, transactions in Chinese RMB, uh, that reduces our exposure to the dollar uh, currency. And therefore, uh, Pakistan is encouraging its major projects in RMB. Actually, just now they talk about uh, China's political model and China's paradigm of developing its economy and society, which is summarized by us as the Chinese path to modernization, the key concept coming out of the 20th Party Congress of the CPC and also echoed once again at the two sessions just concluded earlier this year. Uh, what's your understanding, Minister? China has really shown a great way to the world. And this path to modernization, where there is a vision to share the uh, prosperity across the society and ensuring this uh, journey by maintaining harmony uh, between stability, development and security is key for success for any country in the world. And how Chinese leadership have ensured that they maintain political stability, they carry out reforms, and they also ensure social solidarity. Uh, I think the key is harmony. Uh, how do you harmonize development? How do you harmonize key elements of your society to produce development that is beneficial for everyone in society? It does not create inequality. It does not create disparity. So a wholesome uh, development that is shared by everyone and that encompasses the new drivers of progress and the new technologies. I think that is uh, a key roadmap that China has set for itself and other countries can take many lessons from this and adapt these lessons to their own environment. Thank you very much for that um, comment. And also talking about geopolitics around the world, uh, the United States has increasingly portrayed China as an adversary. Why? Because China has a very different political system, different ideology, 
uh, different organizing principles of its society. How do you look at this? How does Pakistanis feel about the increasing rivalry in Stitsit, particularly by Washington, uh, on China? Well, we feel that the world is getting interconnected. Everyone knows that how world is becoming more and more interconnected. Now, I will give you one example that look at the Ukraine war. Now, this war has taken place in Europe, but it has almost uh, distorted all developing countries' economies, whether they are in Africa, whether they are in South America, whether they are in Asia. Now, this Ukraine war has had a global impact. So, therefore, today, in today's world, you cannot have islands of stability and prosperity. We live in an interconnected world. And also the challenges that the humanity is facing are also uh, global in nature. For example, look at climate change. Can any country draw geographic boundaries on the challenge of climate change? No. Uh, similarly, you know, the technology, how it is impacting us. Uh, today we live in a world which has global supply chains, interconnectivity. So we don't need competition, we need collaboration among different countries. And I think it is a great idea of President Xi to have global civilization initiative, where instead of a clash of civilizations, we should speak of cooperation and collaboration of civilizations. So I would say that uh, global powers, big countries, instead of engaging in conflict, they have to collaborate to uh, face the challenges that the world faces today so that we make this world a safer place, not just for ourselves, but our future generations. Look at the planet Earth. It is at danger. We suffered history is one of the worst climate disasters last year. Uh, more than 33 million people were inundated in water. More than one third country was inundated in water. More than $30 billion uh, damage and loss was uh, done through this climate disaster. Now, this can happen anywhere. So we all need to work together to make this planet safe and to make sure that we leave this planet in a manner that our future generations can also have safe and healthy life here. So this requires cooperation, not conflict. But does Pakistan somehow feel that it's walking a thin line? Um, on one hand, balancing its relations with the, someone who saw it as an ally. Uh, on the other hand, honoring a timeless and time-valued uh, friendship? Well, I think uh, we don't see at our relations in either or way. Uh, our China relationship, our uh, ironclad relationship with China is not dependent on our relation with any other country. It has it, it, its own right and that is how we have maintained our foreign policy throughout our 75 years. We had best of the best relations with China when the United States did not even have diplomatic relations with China. Rather, it was through Pakistan that uh, Mr. Henry Kissinger, Kissinger faked illness. Yeah. So therefore, Pakistan has always maintained its relationship on merit of its uh, partners. Minister, another hot-button issue of the day, Tsai Ing-wen, the leader of Taiwan, is transiting in the United States, although she's spending more days in the United States than her real destinations of the Central American states. Uh, I know Pakistan has this one-China principle. How does Pakistan look at Tsai Ing-wen's visit? Yeah, well, let me say very clearly, Pakistan very firmly and strongly supports one-China policy. We believe that 
People's Republic of China is the sole representative of China and that includes Taiwan. So therefore, there is no conflict in our mind and we fully stand behind the one China policy and we fully support it. On China-Pakistan cooperation, there is another piece that is very important and intriguing, I would say, sending seeds in space project. What is that about? Well, we have been saying that Pakistan-China friendship is higher than Himalayas. Uh, but now it's becoming I think, true literally. Yeah, so it, it has to be now higher than the skies. So space collaboration is very important because now uh, the space technology will be uh, playing very important role in future of human development. Uh, many interesting experiments are taking place. The seed project that was done because Pakistan, as I mentioned, is one of the most vulnerable climate disaster countries. Pakistan is one of the most vulnerable countries in terms of uh, climate change. And therefore, uh, we have a great challenge to our food security. And we need to develop new smart varieties of plants uh, which can withstand uh, weather changes which are weather resistant. So this seed project actually takes some plants to the space where in the space station we can have new mutations and try to develop weather resistant varieties which will help us develop smart agriculture in Pakistan. Minister, um, any final thoughts on China-Pakistan relations going forward, finally? Well, I think China-Pakistan relations are now, as I told you, that we are celebrating decade of China-Pakistan economic corridor. And I think now the best path of this Pakistan-China relationship is, it is being now transferred to the next generation. We have more than 25,000 students and a growing body of Pakistani students who are studying in Chinese universities and benefiting from the progress that China has made in higher education. I think these young Pakistanis will be the true ambassadors of Pakistan-China friendship and they will be the bridge for future to connect our society, to connect our businesses. And I hope likewise more Chinese youth can visit Pakistan and go to our universities. We have more exchange programs because the spirit of Pakistan-China Iron Brotherhood must carry on from one generation to another generation. Thank you so much for your time and all the best. Uh, safe travels back to Pakistan. Thank you very much. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. Now, towards the end of the interview, Minister Iqbar invited us back to Gwadar, where I had the pleasure of visiting in 2011. He said, Gwadar is now a very, very different place. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of The Hub on CGTN. I'll see you again next time.